Today, we're shedding light on a diet you may have heard about before, intermittent fasting. Much of what we hear about in pop culture takes fasting to the extreme, with everything from prolonged fasts on retreats to Gwyneth's intuitive fasting book that caused nutrition professionals around the world to facepalm. But what actually is intermittent fasting? What are the benefits? And what does the research say? We're answering all that and more on today's episode. So sit back and relax. You're listening to the Average Climber Podcast. Okay, Caitlin, I need you to I need you to close your eyes. We're gonna okay. do a. They're close. Um, I don't want to say guided meditation. <laughs> oh God, it's not anything you'd want in your meditation. Imagine you are walking to the crag up the beautiful, beautiful Aspen Glades Hill in Lander, Wyoming. (laughs) And as you start walking up, you notice these gigantic red and brown shiny looking cricket things. Um... They're like three to maybe even five inches in size. No, they are on the trail. (laughs) They are jumping. They are touching your legs. You notice that your good friend, despite it being 80 degrees out, is wearing long pants and has Mm. no skin exposed below her waist. And they only get worse as you get closer to the crag. How are you feeling right now? Um, do you want to keep climbing? I feel unnerved and no, absolutely Okay, not. yeah. So <laughs> I've actually just described a reality that one of our previous, um, ch- shout out Chelsea, she warned me about these. She was like, these bugs are disgusting. Um, and they, uh, are everywhere. And if there's too many, I'm not rock climbing. And I was like, it can't be that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm going to get on my project today. It's great. Fast forward like three hours later. They're not that bad as we're walking into the crag. But as we get to young girl, there are crickets like they're not actually crickets. We're going to get to that. But anyways, there was a temporary um, like swarm of these things Um. and lander around the climbers festival. And I, Chelsea and I, I am not kidding. Like there were so many that they were just like jumping. They were everywhere. It was like a fucking fear factor episode. And we were like running uphill, screaming bloody murder. Like it took me three hours for my nervous system to calm down. Like it was visceral and horrifying. Uh. Um, So that sucked. Fortunately, they have left since, which is great news. But now I'm going to tell you some um, fun facts about the Mormon crickets um with their their scientific name is anabrus simplex um (laughs) so two-part fun fact here okay one why are they called mormon crickets because they do kind of look like crickets but they're actually a type of katydid oh um, which is so they're not crickets at all they are called mormon crickets though because they there was a serious infestation of crops for the LDS settlers in the Salt Lake area in the mid 1800s. Another fun fact, Caitlin, this is the tangential fun fact. Did you know that the seagull 
is the state bird of Utah. <laughs> okay, I did know that because I think we've raged about that at some point. Yeah. When we were like, excuse me, did none of you get the memo that... Um, <laughs> well, okay, but guess I why? I know it's because of the Salt Lake, right? No, no. It's actually the state bird because... Uh, and this is this is this is on this is a direct quote from Utah's public library. The California gull, which is even fucking funnier, um, <laughs> the California gull is considered the state bird of Utah by common consent, probably in commemoration of the fact that these gulls saved the people of the state by eating up hordes of crickets, which were destroying the crops in 1840. No, and I can fucking get behind the seagull. For yeah. doing this, because these things are gross. Yeah. Okay, Seagull, you can yeah. come anytime you want. Wait, so did they say anything about bringing these seagulls in, or were they just I don't already there? No, I need, how did seagulls save the Mormons? Um, <laughs> oh my God. I don't think they did. I just feel like we didn't have the, I don't know. I'm going to have to, I don't know. Yeah, they. Wow. It, I I can't say, but I love it. Um, and yeah, those things are disgusting, and I can see why they were like, "Yes, love this bird, great bird, big fan." Let's memorialize it as our state bird for all of eternity. I wow. I agree because those things were disgusting, and like, I mean, I'm, there's other cool birds here for sure, like bald eagles and shit come here. Um, I yep. believe so. I think I've seen pictures. Whatever. I'm not good at Utah wildlife, but anyways, <laughs> yeah, wild. So I, I thought that the seagull was a dumb state bird for a while. And I was like, this is kind of now embarrassing, but now I'm into it. Seen I'm the like, light. I can see why you like, if, even if it was pigeons, like if it was like ugly ass rock pigeons or whatever that saved <laughs> the state, I'd be like, yes, all hail the rock pigeon. Let's put Anything. it on the state flag. Yep. Love it. <laughs> yeah. So anywho, wow. that's your fun fact. And I'm so glad that these, um, crickets quote have left because god horrifying yeah. mm -hmm. i didn't think anything could stop me from rock climbing that Absolutely. did that sure fucking did wow so. if that stopped you from rock climbing i really don't even want to know what my experience would have been like although okay here's the one thing side fun fact did you know that when i was studying to become a dirt nerd I also took an entomology class and considered switching to that major. Entomology Caitlin, meaning what? bugs. Yes, Study I of know. Bugs. Okay. <laughs> Not to be confused with etymology, which is the right, study correct. of words. <laughs> um, yep. Wait, um, why? Because I thought the class, okay, first of all, people in entomology are fucking weird in the best way really? like oh very fun interesting people and the things that they study for example like I think studying about how bugs affect crops and vice versa mm. and like the effect okay, that's of interesting. pesticides but also like climate change it's it's interesting how bugs respond and it's almost like they're kind of like the predictors of what could happen next yeah but People who study like random ass plants, for example, like this one type of grass in the desert. I'm like, who gave you thousands of dollars to study this? I just, yeah, I, the relevance is hard for me. I understand why. So every we're all part ecologist, of the conservationist, don't yell system, at me. I but, know, but, but you feel like the bug people are more fun. Bug people, so fun, very fun crew, and <laughs> I, I find 
I have like a box literally of my like my bugs I had to collect for my my end of year project so fun although I looked like a psychopath like sitting on the ground at ASU's campus like sucking up bugs into this little container I looked Wait, like a nut sucking them up with what <laughs> like your you mouth this, like no, a no, straw you had, this, you had this like thing you put it on top of a jar this is actually like oh, is it so like great. a pipette for bugs basically but like one end sucks up the bug into the jar and it's like you won't suck it up into your mouth but you like get it into the jar and then it sucks it into a chamber of alcohol so it dies r.i.p bugs they're a lot of you though and your lifespan's like two weeks anyway so (laughs) (laughs) i got to study you i promise but yeah yeah, um anyway so that's wow that's that's wild Um, okay okay anyways (laughs) hello you're listening to the Average Climber podcast. This podcast is not about bugs. Thank God. Um, I'm Lauren. I don't like bugs. You could not pay me. I don't know. I would never be an entomologist. Absolutely not. I'm way too soft. Um, but hi, I'm Lauren. I'm a climbing coach and certified personal trainer. This is my dear friend and fellow host. I'm Caitlin, and I am a certified nutrition specialist. And boy, oh golly gee, do we have a topic Ooh. for you. <laughs> big one put your thinking brain on not your or, like vegging yeah. brain yeah you might you might want some some think brain you want your walnut to be in tip-top yeah, shape this is more um, of a like sip coffee during an episode not a sip wine correct although yeah i'm not Maybe. gonna be a hater either way but, but we're gonna talk about is intermittent fasting a scam is it real what what's going on here? I I cannot wait to talk about this episode yeah, for so I've many reasons. I wanted to do this for a long time because I've also always had like a fuzzy question mark in my head about like how to feel about it. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm I'm excited to dig in. But before we get into the episode, we've got our testimonial of the week, um, <laughs> and this is from Katie, one of Caitlin's three-month comprehensive coaching clients. Ooh, that's a nice alliteration. We've got some triple, quadruple sounds if you count the K in Katie. Okay, perfect. Yes, and also good, good for Katie. This is the. Never mind. There's too many ways to spell Katie. While Correct. we're on the subject, the number of ways people have come up with to spell Katie and Caitlin is vile. And Let me tell you the one yes. horrific one I saw recently. Ready. <laughs> you are not ready for this. It, you can't be because I wasn't. Listen, in Utah, they come up with some weird fucking <laughs> ways to spell names, Caitlin. So That's, You're not <laughs> wrong. You're right. Okay. So the reason I know this is because someone wrote this on my Starbucks cup. I kid you not. Okay, are you ready? Mm-hmm. C A I G H T L I N N. Incorrect. Wrong. What in the Gen Z happened on that <laughs> cup? Christ I, Almighty. <laughs> oh my God. They're having fun. <laughs> I was like, I think this girl is just like, let's fuck around a little bit. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> shocking. That's- okay. One Caitlin was like, "You spelled my name wrong. It's spelled Q U A. Oh my god, whatever. It, yeah. So, anyways, wild times. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Let's get into the testimonial from Katie. Katie says, "My favorite aspect of working with Caitlin was learning how supplements and vitamins affect mood and overall health. 
I would tell someone wanting to work with Caitlin to take advantage of her vast knowledge of nutrition, health, lifestyle, and exercise. She is so easy to talk to and seems to really understand people and what they are saying and going through in the kindest way. All right. Aw. Yay. Katie was great. Um, Katie was one of the people who came to me who was like, I'm not a climber, but I'm really active. I run triathlons. I was like, oh, girlfriend, this is great. fine. Yeah, let's <laughs> we go. can chat. I mean, also, I work with non-athletes, but you know, or I should say, non—well, active people. I work with uh, lots of flavors of that. Everybody's got a different version of that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay, awesome. So, Caitlin, what's been your experience with? Have you ever tried intermittent fasting? So, yes. And I've also been around other people who have tried it. So okay. examples. Uh, let's say like a decade ago, my yeah. roommate in college did what her goal was, was a two-week juice fast, which is different from intermittent fasting. I'll just say that now. And I remember the juice fasting. What, t- what year was this, if you like recall? Like 2012, 2013. Yes, yes. I remember yeah. when there was like a group of people juice fasting. <sighs> It was a dark high school. Yeah. 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 So this was, I, I believe she made it like six days and I, I honestly think she felt so tragically bad after this and never did it again. But she also felt like a failure because she couldn't do it the full two weeks. Like she had thought. How long did she do it? Like nine days? It was like six. It was like six six days of misery. Color me and impressed. <laughs> I know. I was like, uh, I don't think this is a good idea. But I remember years later trying something a little different where it was like I had a narrow window. So it was like not that narrow. And we'll talk about mm-hmm. the different types. But it was like 12-hour eating window, 12-hour not eating window. And I felt like that was something that I liked. It worked really well until mm-hmm. I started training a lot harder and mm. later at night. So it, there's some, you know, I, I have a lot of built up bias about it. For yeah. Athletes, sure. But I'm excited to kind of talk about it today because I feel like in my research for this topic, I learned a lot and I'm taking a class on it right now oh, so that fun. I can not be timing. so, so, so dumb about it. <laughs> <But> <laughs> what's, what has your experience been with it, Lauren? Um, I definitely recall, I can't, couldn't tell you when I recall a time where I was trying like a noon to eight eating window or something. Mm, Yeah. Um, and I also, I think like, while I had my little, uh, fun stomach thing going on, I would wake up in the morning and like not want to eat anyway. And partially, Mm -hmm. um, not to get into all the details, but FYI, at one point I had what's called an H. pylori infection, um, that I, whatever, for probably many years in my gut, it was bad. And one of the, um, side of one of the, you know, symptoms of an H. pylori infection is low stomach acid production, which can cause you to like wake up, not hungry or like not really ready to eat. Um, so I think like, Right. Yeah. Like I just wasn't like psyched on food in the mornings Mm -hmm. and I just wanted to like sleep more. So I think this was when I was like working at the plant in Kentucky. But yeah, I don't think it was great. I feel like I crashed a lot. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that you were probably doing what's called a 16-8 type of 
fasting protocol. And we'll talk about those more because I feel like there are a lot of ways to view intermittent fasting. And I think what we hear about in pop culture is like withholding food for an amount of time, like Mm -hmm. a, a set period, or there could be some prolonged versions. So I'm, I'm really truly intrigued by this topic because I feel like there's so much that we can cover and there's so little that we hear about in our culture. Yeah. It's crazy. I also feel like right now, cause as we were like doing research for this episode, you hear about like different times. And I realized because I am lucky enough that I m- mainly get to train like during the day, a lot mm-hmm. of the time, which I think, you know, but I realized I was like, I think I just naturally end up because of my schedule eating in like a 10 hour eating window Mm -hmm. like not by any sort of intentional thing it's just like I wake up at a certain time by it's the time it's been like an hour I feel like eating something (laughs) you know like right yeah like I think I'm not doing it on purpose but I think like that normally ends up happening which is kind of weird but I also I'm like that's probably what I don't know I can't I guess I just sleep enough of the day. <laughs> like I'm like a, usually like an eight to ten hour amount of sleeping. So like I think yeah. I'm automatically doing this somehow because I'm literally mm-hmm. asleep for like a lot of time. For so I know, of time. right? But I don't think I'm like I'm not doing it on purpose. And if I, yeah. you know, whatever. So I just thought that was like an interesting observation. But yeah, I've yeah. like fucked around with it a little bit and not. Yeah, but I can also, like, in listening to some of the schedules, I just, like, was actually running through, like, some of my athlete schedules in my head, and I was like, this would not go too (laughs) good. Like, I'm just like, like, you would either be, like, doing your late night training session and then just, like, going to bed starving, or you would be, like, trying to train in the early morning and, like... It's just too much. Really? Yeah, I was like, this... Yeah, so that I won't get too much into it, but yeah, I was definitely like as I was listening and learning about different like time scenarios, I was like this could be hairy for a lot of people with quote like normal schedules that have to train like before or after a 9 to 5. Um so right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we're going to get into that. So, okay, Caitlin, first first let's like lay some groundwork like because mm-hmm. I know we've been talking about like eating windows and times and yada yada. So, can you tell us what like intermittent fasting is yeah just lay that out (laughs) (laughs) yeah so there are a couple maybe not definitions but ways to think about it so Mm -hmm. the basic thing to think about intermittent fasting as a whole is just a way of eating when you don't eat for a period of time each day or week and a couple other things to build on just that very basic definition and description of what it is, is that you're alternating between periods of restriction and periods of ad libitum, which just means like at will, at, oh, you know, free, yes. free. Um, and this can range from 12 to 48 hours. Um, we'll kind of talk about why that's the case in a second. And then also you can describe it as a consecutive or non-consecutive days of alternating very low calorie intake. So we're looking at Mm -hmm. about 400 to 500 calories per day. That's considered quote low with days. Although I will say (laughs) that's very low. (laughs) That's real low. (laughs) Yeah. um, But so this you're alternating with days of normal calorie intake. So there's a lot of flexibility when you think about the variety of definitions here and ways that people can utilize intermittent Mm -hmm. fasting. So I think that's probably why there are so many different 
types of fasting. So it's not just like you either are eating or you're not, you're restricted to a window and that's it. Like it could be a lot more flexible than we currently know. Mm-hmm. And I think people forget that intermittent fasting is meant to be intermittent. Like it's not supposed to be constant all the time, no breaks. So yeah, it's you kind of do a big have scope. to eat. Um, <laughs> also, yeah. um, a disti- so I've been dorking out about this just to try to get on Caitlin's level. And one <laughs> distinction and clarification that I thought was like kind of interesting and important to understand is like, like while you might have like an eating window that's like a certain amount of time, it's not like you stop eating and all of a sudden your body has automatically like processed all the food, right? right. Like it's like the fasted state quote that you'll right. enter into will, you know, start probably depending on how large your meal was, yada, yada. Like the, your right. fasted state will actually start like probably, well, how long? Let's, let's talk about it. Elaborate, please. So remember I said that 12 to 48 hour window. So you actually have stages of a fast, so to speak. Oh, okay. Do do you have, okay. Your fed state is when you still have 12, let's say like, okay, you're fed, you eat, start your fast. That's 12 to 14 hours. So that's when your body is using your glucose that's either readily available or stored Mm -hmm. in your muscle or liver. Um, this really, like I said, this begins as soon as you stop eating, but yeah. then you have this transition stage, which is 12 to 48 hours. So your body's okay. using up most of that available glycogen stores, converts mm-hmm. it into usable glucose. Maybe you start using fatty acids or mm-hmm. the classic ketones for fuel. And then your body can still use whatever glycogen stores are left over. You know, it's, yeah. it's kind of you're in that realm of like, I've got what I need. I'll use it. But mm-hmm. then at the 48-hour mark, and this is, you know, not everyone will be like, boom, 48 hours, I'm in it. It could happen sooner for a lot of people, but this is what just generally. And maybe how much activity you did or something. Correct. We're not saying don't eat for 48 hours. Yeah, yeah. We're just letting you know how <laughs> this, this is shit works. <laughs> in just how it goes. But in your fasted window, this is 48 to 72 hours. And this is when you're in what's called nutritional ketosis. So this is when we also have a process when um, it's called autophagy. So that's mm. like a, another thing that we can talk about. Um, basically, that's just when your body is processing intracellular debris, so like proteins, nucleic acids, lipids, other organelle parts, and breaking those down and recycling. Like that's kind of what the like golden goal, I should say, of fasting is. And then when you're in an extended fasting state, 72 hours and beyond, you're using ketones as your primary fuel source. So that's sourced from fat. So that's kind of the the gist of <laughs> okay. That looks so that's like. kind of like what. So that like if you straight up did not eat for you know like days, days, yeah. But can you? So okay, got it. Obviously, that would be like a pretty not fun time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so <laughs> does some of the okay. I guess we won't. We'll talk about autophagy later. But so okay, cool. But yeah, so do you sort of still enter like some kind of like, obviously they call it like intermittent fasting. So does your body still enter like, you know, not full, like haven't eaten in three days, but like some, mm-hmm. you enter like, like a semi, like a, a fasted state, but it's not like as extreme as if right. you would have not eaten for three days or something. 
Like yeah. that's kind of like a mini version of what's going on when you like exactly don't for 12 hours or whatever. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it's like, it's one of those things when we kind of talk about like the goal of fasting, even if you don't enter nutritional ketosis, it doesn't mean you're not getting the benefit of fasting. Like the goal of fasting is not to always be in that state, so to speak. So <laughs> yeah. Um, like also, yeah. yeah. Kate. Okay. One thing I forgot to share. So when I was like in eighth grade, my <laughs> church group did something called the 48 hour famine. Um, so I know yep. you're going to talk about how, yeah. So that was a, a religious fast. Mm-hmm. I had a bad time. Mm-hmm. It was awful. Yeah. I hated it. Um, obviously i also remember at one point asking my like church leader i was like um does it count if i have gum because i was just like fucked up and they were having us play like dodgeball and stuff and i was like look i don't like playing dodgeball on a full stomach i'm not fucking playing dodgeball when i'm Mm. like no um yeah that's hard (laughs) and then they were like that's between you and god and i was like (laughs) oh no okay um yeah i did not that was bad i big hated that i don't yeah. I don't necessarily know how I feel about having children fast for 48 hours. Like, I obviously lived, yeah. but I don't know. I, I don't feel good about it. I know. <laughs> well, I, I feel like this is maybe a good, a good stopping point to acknowledge, too, that, like, we're in this podcast, in the world of climbing, in athletics. We have such extreme privilege when it comes to eating that we can choose to not choose eat. to like, not eat right that's yeah <laughs> I mean I'm I don't think we're gonna get into that at all but I just I think it's important to just state that like the privilege of choosing not to eat is something that I think I also was a <laughs> it made me really frustrated with intermittent fasting because I just you know it, it's hard to be like in college, I worked with a variety of socioeconomic backgrounds in my research in soil science, and I felt like intermittent fasting was such a slap in the face for so many people. Oh, my people. God. Yeah. That's such and, a good point. Uh, it's, it's hard. It's harder to talk about when you think about that. But I do think people need to know about it if you're going to try it, if you're someone who wants to use this to your advantage, but you're like, well people say it's bad. People say it's good. Like what the hell, Mm -hmm. what should I do? So that's why we're here. Even if we have some bias. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then also this is a great, like also point to make where it's like fasting has been a part of like different religions for time immemorial. So immemorial. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Religious really long time. So that's like another thing to keep in mind that like, yeah, like it's something. It's something yeah. that people do. There's a lot of research on it. And, you know, we'll, we won't talk about it too much, but we're essentially just going to put out the information and you yeah. can decide for yourself. But I think it's helpful to talk about the different types. I'm curious, Lauren, have you ever heard about, let's say, okay, one meal a day, time restricted yes. fasting, snake alternate meal. day fasting, <laughs> snake prolonged meal. W- snake meal? Yes. What is yes. that? elaborate snake meal um okay it's this very popular <laughs> tiktok where this woman <laughs> describes eating what she calls snake meal where she uh, has thirty thousand. she says i do this thing where i have one meal a day and it's thirty thousand calories and then <gasps> i take a big nap afterwards this is like a joke by the way this is a okay 
a it's joke not like girl thing. dinner cringe correct correct yes girl dinner <laughs> that's so weird i think that's very bizarre um but yeah so it's like uh that's the whole thing and then um and then you know in the real she's like and my doctor says i really wish you wouldn't do that <laughs> yeah like, really funny um but yeah the but then I was like, oh, snake meal. Like, that's kind of what people do. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it is true. Like, there are a lot of names to intermittent fasting because there's different strategies, different eating windows. So if you think about it this way, listener, you can't see this, but Lauren, you can. So I'm just going to describe it. Perfect. If you think of this as like a Venn diagram with three circles converging in the center, you have mm-hmm. one circle is caloric restriction. Mm-hmm. One is prolonged fasting, and then one is time-restricted eating. And then they meet in the middle. There's some gray area, but essentially you're, these are just strategies for fasting, sometimes with the goal of ketosis or this process of autophagy. But it doesn't always mean that you have to be in this state. So you have, you have different types where it's like 16-8. So 16 hours of fasted. Eight hours of eight hours window. of yep yeah fourteen ten fourteen fasted ten eating twelve mm-hmm. twelve which is like arguably the least just strict. like normal <laughs> yeah just like probably what people do <laughs> yeah yeah like I feel like this is what I do more so in the winter months because in the summer I'm out playing all afternoon and I get mm-hmm. home and I'm like whoops gotta oh eat yeah like eat. bedtimes like <laughs> yeah you can have dinner at nine o'clock and still look at the sun Qu- yeah. quick question for you. What's the difference between time-restricted eating and prolonged fasting? Would prolonged fasting just be something like straight up not eating for a day or two? Like, is that kind of? Yeah. So let me give you the like description of both. Okay. Prolonged routine fasting would be something like no calories uh, taken in or consumed for like a non-specific duration. So this would be like with longer intervals in between fasts. So like, let's say you have a 48 hour monthly fast. You do the fasting famine for 48 hours every month. (laughs) That would be a prolonged routine fast. But time restricted eating is limiting food in 24 hour to certain hours okay yeah to a predetermined window of time so this could range from two to 12 hours maybe maybe you choose like a specific number of meals in this window Um, maybe you fast and eat during hours designated as that ratio we talked about a second ago and then it might be like the prolonged nightly fasting included here so okay this is like more so okay the like way of eating lifestyle I guess I'd call it versus prolonged fasting is like you do this once a month and that's it okay cool um before we go to break can you kind of tell us like why people primarily use intermittent fasting or what like what kind of purposes intermittent fasting is typically used for and like why it's so popular totally so we'll totally like after the break too we'll get into this more so nitty gritty the nitty gritty (laughs) but now i'll just say a lot of people use intermittent fasting as a weight loss tool but Mm -hmm. with athletes specifically and if you're listening to this i imagine you are active to some degree (laughs) yes (laughs) it's it's not always something something that like we recommend i say we as like nutrition professionals but also coaches Mm -hmm. in this field Mm -hmm. i think you kind of look at fasting and it's like well 
it's really challenging for you to get all your needs as an active person in Mm -hmm. a time restricted window. Mm -hmm. Um, For some people, it can actually become a weight loss tool just based on this change in eating habits. Yeah. Um, Even if you're like eating the same amount in this window, you might still have a favorable change in body composition just because Mm -hmm. sometimes the body responds well to that. Um, But it can also be calorie restriction in some cases too. So it's it's something that's a bit challenging, I think, with athletes. Um, But what I like to say in terms of this goal with athletes in mind is that daily calories really should still be relatively similar if you were eating in a less strict window. So there is a lot more we'll unpack and we'll kind of talk about the benefits in terms of pop culture and what the research says and then unfavorable situations that would be helpful to think about. Yeah. Okay, cool. No, I think that's like a great summary um, of kind of like why people use it, what's up with intermittent fasting, and we're going to dig into the nitegrite after the break. You know what movie scenes really spoke to me growing up? The makeover montages. Like Lizzie McGuire going on a shopping spree with her pop star icon twin, or Caddy Heron's Good Girl Gone Bad transformation in Mean Girls, or better yet, Anne Hathaway's iconic bangs in The Devil Wears Prada. I actually tried out those bangs in eighth grade. Turns out they don't look so hot when you have a massive cowlick in the middle of your forehead. Anyways, the fact is that I love a good makeover. I like seeing how a few simple tweaks can lead to a stunning before and after. And though I'm no Hollywood fashion guru, I've started a little makeover game of my own. With training plans, of course. Every week, I take an audience member's training plan and offer the adjustments needed to take it from alright to excellent. Inside of the weekly training plan makeover, I take you step-by-step through the how and why behind my recommendations that you can watch in a short, actionable video. The catch. This is only available to those on my email list. So if you want to get the weekly training plan makeover delivered straight to your inbox, or maybe even get a training plan makeover of your own, then make sure to get signed up for the weekly training plan makeover at the link in our show notes. All right, Caitlin, we're going to dig into the research now. And here's kind of like the big question that I think I'm curious to hear your thoughts on. Um, I've dug into the research a little bit, but I know that you are, this is your shit. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say. (laughs) So I think what like seems like the interesting question to me is like, what impact does the literal like eating window have? Because like what I'm curious about is like, let's say, and I'm just going to use the number 1200 for no other reason than it's the first number that popped in my head. So let's say Mm -hmm. you have like person A and they eat, we're going to go with 1800 actually because ew. um, Okay. Yeah. I was like, maybe we should just not up your example. Yeah. Let's let's (laughs) just not because like, no. Um, Okay. So person (laughs) A, here's your 1800 calories of whatever food. Um, We're not going to concern ourselves with like yada, yada. Person A, you can have 1800 calories eat whatever you want, whenever you want. If you want to wake up at 3 a.m. and have like a cheddar biscuit, I don't give a shit. Person B, <laughs> cheddar biscuit. I don't know. Person B, 
here's your 1800 calories, but you need to consume these. You need to pick a nine hour window and you need to be like done eating your calories at the end of hour nine. Right. So what does the research show? Like, does the research show that the person, like, let's say someone is like, and let's say this is like a slight caloric deficit. So maybe they like need 2000 calories. They're eating 1800. What Mm -hmm. is like the weight loss impact like is it better for people that are doing it in the eating window or is it does it not matter well i think there's a couple things that are worth talking about here because okay. when you think about a time restricted window well let me give you this example if i okay. were to tell you okay you have 8 hours to eat your food for the day mm-hmm. how does that make you feel just like kind of off the cuff there's no wrong answer. <laughs> uh, it makes me feel like I need to, like, I know that I can't work out without, like, having a little snack first. So it makes me feel like I kind of need to plan my training schedule and my, yeah. like, activities and when I'm going to be, like, with it around, right. um, like, when I can have food. Right. Okay. Yeah. So... I agree with you there. And I also want to point out your last statement. When I can have food. So to me, I feel like (laughs) weight loss, if weight loss is your goal, there's a lot of evidence that intermittent fasting can work just as well as, or if not better than calorie restriction on its own. So that is because you have this window. It creates this sense of, okay, well, I have a window. I need to have a plan. I need structure. Mm-hmm. I need to understand how much I I should eat in this window. Sometimes there's calorie restriction involved here just by nature of, you know, your, your eating window is truncated. So you have to kind of think about like when you're going to consume food, are you going to be hungry? This could take a bit to get used to. But I think for me, when I, when I think about this as a weight loss tool, I don't necessarily want to say like you have to have calorie restriction, um, but what a lot of people talk about with a a time-restricted eating window for the purpose of weight loss Mm -hmm. is that it can increase your metabolic rate. So what that just means, yeah, interesting, right? Yeah, (laughs) because whenever someone's like, this will boost your metabolism, I'm like, like, I squint. (laughs) I squint hard. I'm like, what do you, A of all, what do you mean? B of all, can you even do that? Right. So I would say too, if your calories are restricted, I don't think you have the same benefit here, but let's say you eat your same like 2000 calories a day or whatever your, you know, recommended amount is in this window, there are, there's some evidence that would suggest that it increases your metabolic rate. And the mechanism that it does this is through increasing norepinephrine. So it's Mm. essentially just making you burn more energy so like so literally so basically that would mean like just your normal biological processes your body just decides it's gonna like burn like burn more of your quote fuel to like make those things yeah. happen oh yeah that's, that's so weird why would it do the that theory <laughs> because of the increase you know what i mean like it's like why would we yeah. like become like less like, efficient why <laughs> yeah i yeah and i'm sure that's like a big question okay interesting yeah that makes so, sense okay that's kind of cool problem- so they yeah, go yeah. on. Here, Here is a problem with this. <laughs> so this is the theoretical description and 
mechanism that this could happen. However, the studies that show this are done on animals. Okay. So not humans. So it's so different. The theory, so we're like theorizing this and we have some data to back it up in Correct. like animal studies that this yep. might be the mechanism. But like we notice, so we notice the like increased metabolic rate in both humans and animals. And we have mm-hmm. data from animal studies showing that it might be because of this like increased norepinephrine. norepinephrine. Right. Okay, right. It. And this is so the mechanism has been more so fleshed out in mice and rat studies. Okay, cool. But these studies are fucking old. They're from like 1980s, 1990s. Totally. And they're just, they may not be like how they're studying it. A of all may not be realistic for how humans would go about you know, the mm-hmm. the protocol that they did with yeah. the rats and mice. Totally. But also there are different techniques with studying now. So it's really hard to say that such an old study could be useful to substantiate it. There's mm-hmm. a lot of evidence out there. And I think a lot of people, you know, they'll say like proof is in the pudding. And maybe mm-hmm. that's true. But remember, if you are restricted to this window and you just don't make it to your calorie goal for the day, like you don't eat enough and sufficient calories, Mm -hmm. then you're going to, over time with this practice, lose a bit of weight. You don't know if it's fat. You don't know if it's muscle. It really, really depends. And that's probably going to depend on like the macros that you're eating and like all of that. Exactly. Another thing that I want to point out that I think is interesting because we've talked about decision fatigue a lot on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. So like one thing that makes sense to me about intermittent fasting, if your goal is like weight loss or whatever, um, you know, if your goal is weight loss, to me, if someone was like, I want you to try to be in a caloric deficit you can either decide at every single meal and every single time you're eating like what to put on your plate how much to eat all of that Mm -hmm. or that's like option a is like you know kind of be recording everything and like calorie counting or whatever or your other option is be like just eat within a nine hour time frame and because you're just having to be more intentional and like have a more restricted window of time, you might just end up in a slight caloric deficit anyway, and then you only have to make one decision. That seems <laughs> yeah. way fucking easier to me. Like if you had to pick, like yeah. I and I think like obviously that's like an oversimplification, but I think like to me it makes sense that time restricted eating would like maybe be more chill because you're not having to like think so hard all the time and it's not as like mentally taxing and there's not as much decision fatigue and that would just make it like easier to adhere to and probably more effective that's my other thought as well sure yeah I mean I I think it it really comes down to the person like what their history is with their relationship Mm -hmm. to food um restriction too but yeah I think there is a lot of promising information and like specific let's say I think we'll probably expand on this with athletes (laughs) yeah but with let's say like athletes who are studied in the intermittent fasting space they're particularly looking at fat loss and muscle gain Ooh, okay 
what's interesting in those studies is that they're using trained athletes, they're intermittent fasting, they're still consuming sufficient calories, and totally. they're resistant training. That's key. So oh. they're it's not like they're not training anymore. And yeah, they're they not just like act- not doing yeah. anything, eating in a magical window and putting on muscle. That's not what's happening. <laughs> right. not, <laughs> That'd be yeah, cool. It, it's, if only. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what they've found, there's like a couple things that can happen. One of the big ones is that um, there was an observational study that looked at this exact thing. Um, and it it happened because of increases in growth hormone, which is oh. really shocking. So growth hormone is, of course, it involved in muscle or lean body mass gain and mm-hmm. maintenance and potentially fat loss too. Um, but the other things that come up with just having an intermittent fasting window mm-hmm. with athletes shows reduced, um, increased fat mass and increased jumping performance wait which it shows is, wait increased or decreased fat mass it shows i'm sorry reduced fat mass i was like and wait a okay increased jumping performance oh. so increased muscle mass and reduced fat mass so what kind of athletes did they do this in were these like track athletes or i'll tell you okay please hold <laughs> cool also, while Caitlin is um, wading into the deeper into the weeds um, to refresh on which type of athlete this was, um, I also want to say too that as we talk about this, and I think we talked about this in about a bazillion episodes as well, you do not have to lose weight or fat or <laughs> honestly change your body composition um, to get better at rock climbing. Yeah, so, it's not a prerequisite. It's not I a promise. prerequisite. There's a lot of other stuff to work on before you even like need to consider this. But the thing is, we know that this stuff is out there and we'd rather you be like armed and educated with real facts instead of like both of the polarizing sides of, you know, like intermittent fasting is diet culture. If you intermittent fast, you're fat phobic and you hate everyone. Like that's a little wild. Um, no. And then there's also the other side that's like intermittent fasting will save your life and you'll live to be 220 and you'll never (laughs) get dementia. And you'll also be able to have 5% body fat and you should eat for only four hour eating windows. Right? Like we're trying to give you like the actual information so that you can be an adult and decide what's good for you um so (laughs) exactly exactly no that's such a good point and I think it intermittent fasting even in my field I feel like there's so many extremes where it's like you're either for it or against it and I think for a long time I was against it Mm -hmm. for most people but now I think I'm more in the moderate space where I'm like yeah, it's great. Or it could be terrible. Yeah. And <laughs> so it's also it like nothing you decide to do is ever something you have to do permanently. So like, right. we're all we're very pro fuck around and find out like you may do it and be like, this is fine. I feel good. It's eliciting the results I want. Or you may try and you might be like, I get headaches. This is annoying. Yeah. And this is not working for me. And like, that's fine right. too, just like anything else. So yeah. Okay. So we'll, we'll talk about more who it's, who it's for and not for in a bit. Yeah. But, Tell so me about this, these athletes. <laughs> these, these athletes, the inclusion criteria is kind of funny because the way that studies define athletes varies widely, but <laughs> yeah. this was a <laughs> yes. group of women and Ooh. they're considered, so they were included um, because they are women who 
perform physical exercises or general vigorous training at least three times a week on okay. non-consecutive days. Oh, cool. So, so this isn't just like purely, this isn't like some like elite level athlete. This is like correct normal like, ass people that normie. exercise regularly. <laughs> Perfect. That's great for us here on the yeah. Average Climber podcast. Cool. Right. Okay. Right. So, you know, I think there are a lot more promising studies and these studies are newer too. So it's not as if they're like, you know, from 1985, trying to Mm -hmm. convince us that something that happened to rats is working for us. Like this study I just mentioned from 2021. So it's pretty new. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I'm like reading through this. Does it mention anything about like their training age or like how long they've been training or just that they've like been active? At least for five years. Oh, cool. Okay. That's like pretty. Okay, cool. No, this is like very helpful because if it was just like your first year of trying to do anything lifestyle (laughs) or dietary and then it elicited results, it'd be like, yeah, no shit. If you go from doing nothing to like something. something, Yeah. That obviously. (laughs) This is cool. Okay. That's a good study. Sick. I love that. So the other thing that I think would be helpful to talk about is body composition and immune function Mm. because there's some really cool data about this too. And what I'll just say here is that In this study, again, 2020, pretty recent, which is cool, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they did find that intermittent fasting, specifically this time-restricted eating window of eight hours of just, they call it a feeding window, which is a little weird. (laughs) I know. I feel Um, like I've heard that researchers like accidentally do that because when it's rats, it's a feeding window. And when it's people, it's eating. But then they just mix up the terms. So it's... I have a fun anecdote about why the eight hour feeding window is so studied as well. Um, But go on. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's um, so in this one, they primarily are looking at um, if this would be beneficial for body composition Mm -hmm. in elite cyclists. And it did show that they had weight loss and improved body comp. So increase in lean body mass. Okay. And it could also be helpful for reducing inflammation related to the immune system. So what they overall found is that, um, the time restricted eating window could be used as a component of periodized nutrition planning in endurance Ah, athletes so okay big key here not Not forever forever. (laughs) yeah Um, (laughs) real quick can we back up to this term inflammation because this is a term that used to like seem cool to me um and now it's a term (laughs) that usually if someone's using it and is like sugars usually I hear people be like sugar is inflammatory and I'm like guess what my muscles need <laughs> glycogen for me to do stuff. I'm right. gonna eat these gummy bears. So can you tell us like what this whole deal about like reducing inflammation and like yeah. you know, if we want to do that, if some inflammation's normal, like can you just like demystify yeah, that yeah. a little bit? Cause I'm unclear about inflammation anymore. It's become a disaster in my brain. So <laughs> I think you're not alone, to be honest. Like I think a lot of people feel this way because we should right here and now we should have an inflammation episode. Oh yeah, we should definitely so have, much to unpack. Yeah. I also want to talk about like sugar as well. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> so in with inflammation exercise creates inflammation that's just how it goes like right. any stress so we shouldn't exercise on the body. right <laughs> right yeah right. so <laughs> like <laughs> so like that's the hard part it's like okay yes so, chronic inflammation 
can become a precursor for chronic diseases. Okay. Right. Got what it. Does in, is inflammation like, like, does it look like something like, okay, this is like a really weird question, but if I like got under a microscope and looked at someone's, I don't fucking know, stomach lining. Yeah. Like if I looked at someone's well, stomach lining that was like, like, could you look in, in a microscope and be like, this is inflamed stomach lining and this is like not inflamed stomach lining. Like, right. Yeah. I mean, you could see there are physical side effects. Physical or like differences. Physical, okay, cool. Yeah. Physical markers. But usually when we're talking about inflammation, it's at this like cellular level. So we're looking okay. for biomarkers that would be increased as a result. And when those biomarkers of inflammation okay. stay heightened and your body can't process it, that would start to show chronic inflammation. Okay. So we want, we do want inflammation for things like, okay, say you have an injury, that inflammatory process is how you get those like healing factors to that site of injury. It's also how we recover from torn muscle fibers after exercise. So like blunting the inflammatory process could Ah. actually have a really negative side effect. So this is like the downside of being like a chill bride <laughs> where the bra also shout out normal gossip where they did a whole episode about chill brides that episode's hilarious um you should listen everyone should listen to normal gossip i'm gonna go it's listen to that after funny oh my <laughs> fucking god it's so funny um but anyways so like you wouldn't want your body to be a chill bride that's just like <laughs> it's whatever that's fine and then like your maid of honor's like yo but your ankle's broken and your body's like no it's fine we don't want any inflammation no bad vibes no inflammation oh my God. it's chill like you would not want your body to do that like right. being a chill bride all the time is not okay right and like <laughs> totally when we I'm just imagining on my wedding day just being like drugged out of my mind like it's fine everything's great like no, no I want to yes. be there and my present and my standing. position on like if you're a chill bride throughout the whole process that kind of means that this is my hot take because you know what I planned a lot and I did stress a lot but on the day of it was honestly chill as fuck and I had a great time because I put in the work right. ahead of time so that I could right. have an enjoyable day whereas if you don't plan and you let everything like you don't, you act like you don't care when you actually maybe do care or, you know, maybe you're having a fine time, but it like sucks for everyone else because whatever. Anyways, go listen to normal gossip. Um, I will link to that in the show notes. Um, but anyways, you wouldn't want your body to be a too chill of a bride all the time. Right, right, right. But like, let's kind of talk about inflammation in terms of like general public health versus like athletes, because I think where inflammation (laughs) There's so much here. Um, But like when we talk about reducing inflammation being beneficial in, I don't want to say non-active populations, but let's say like older adults or people with chronic diseases, things like arthritis, MS, Alzheimer's, and then things like stroke and asthma. There has been a lot of talk about how it can be beneficial. Um, how reducing really, inflammation can be beneficial? Yes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. so that can come from, it goes into that like living longer situation, like living longer with better quality of life cool. when we talk okay. about inflammation. So that would be related to, um, you know, calorie restriction, activates autophagy. So your body is regularly cleaning up its debris and junk and stuff. And that's helping you be like less inflamed in a general long-term sense. Got it. Okay. Yep. 
Exactly. So, you know, in some cases that could be beneficial. It's hard to say, okay, can we extrapolate that to an athletic population that's maybe like, let's say under 50? Mm, It's subjective. So I think it really does depend. That's the hard part. (laughs) Okay. So I think like, this is what I'm gleaning from this. Like, Some inflammation is normal, important, and okay. Not all Mm -hmm. inflammation is bad. Exercise produces inflammation. um, And those of us that exercise a lot and, you know, generally like the athletic population, like you're going to see inflammation from that. And maybe it's partial. So so cleaning up some inflammation is good, but we don't need to make it our mission to like never have it. Right. But if you are eating a sufficient diet, proper nutrition that's well balanced, you are already supporting your body's cleanup process of this. So right. yeah, you don't have to do get, anything like extra special. Yeah. Right, right, right. Like when you get older and you know your body doesn't absorb nutrients as well, it might slow mm-hmm. down, hormone production is lower. Like it could be helpful to get a boost. boost. Like that's okay. Certainly that makes sense. Great. Cool. <laughs> okay. Cool. I think that that's very helpful. I think that clears up some of the demonization of inflammation <laughs> that I hear right. a lot because it's just like confusing. You and me both. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, la, 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but I think another important piece of this too that I really like talking about for older adults um, and certainly maybe, maybe some younger populations, mm-hmm. I think, especially people who experience um let's say like mental health conditions or lots of stress lots of trauma this might be helpful too Mm. and um that can be with fasting for improved cognition and brain health so okay there's some cool evidence here and we don't have to get into this too much this is something i could talk about all day because i love it but when we kind of talk about like what the benefits are, we're talking about increased um, what's called BDNF and decreased IGF-1. And then also you're improving brain plasticity. So what that essentially just means is that increased BDFM, NF, BDNF, is brain-derived neurotrophic factor. So this is a a key molecule that's involved in brain plasticity related to memory and learning. So we really want that for cognition. Cool. But then we have IGF-1, which is insulin-like growth factor 1. And it's a hormone that manages things like um, growth hormone in your body and growth of bones, tissues like muscles. And so when we are thinking about this in terms of, let's say like, you know, the benefit we have here with um, specific to like your brain and health, we just want to improve the brain health with these changes. Okay. Um, And the other thing I'll say here, even though we have some good systematic reviews now, systematic reviews are not tied to including high quality studies. So I think that sometimes. can be... A, sometimes they sometime, are, but sometimes... Meta, meta-analyses are better for that because oh, they do have a stricter okay. 
set of Got guidelines. It. Okay, so a systematic review is like a meta-analysis light okay got it exactly yeah yeah um but like the other you know thing here is that we have a lot of our data that we have on these sort of brain changes again rats mice they're interesting but you know can we extrapolate Mm, yeah maybe not um but you know there could be some really important factors here so it's it's hard to say yeah interesting any other kind of advantages or researched benefits that have been shown from time-restricted eating or intermittent fasting type of protocols? Yes. So cardiometabolic health, I think, is a big one for a lot of people. So think about like cholesterol, blood pressure, your glucose and insulin, what they're doing. This is, I think, where we struggle to get the most, (laughs) like we, we hear about this a lot, But the studies that are actually high quality, current, and on people are mostly, they're showing the mechanism of action here as weight management. The other mechanisms are just not clear. So Mm -hmm. where we might see benefits in the future when we, you know, go deeper, it's more so related to preventing cardiovascular risk related to weight, waist circumference, Mm -hmm. fat mass. BMI, so many things to say there, but I won't. Yeah. Yeah. Also, this is not us saying that like always weight loss equals healthier. There's so much to unpack there um, that we can't like health at every size is real. Um, Just want to say that. So we are not saying that like always weight loss means that's the key to being healthy. Totally. Um, No. But when we talk about other things, like we need to understand the mechanisms more of how cholesterol is involved, triglycerides, your fasting. Um, you're fasting glucose and then you have insulin resistance. So there's a lot of important things here and lots of data. Like this is my last thing I'll say in favor. Lots of data in favor of fasting is so old. It's so old. Which is like it's not a good clear. thing in that it's been researched for a while, but then also, and it's good but, that we're continuing to do it, but also using all like, yeah. <laughs> we just need we need more. And the problem with old studies is that there's a lot there can be a lot of bias. It's mm-hmm. a different time. The 80s and how they felt about bodies very different from now. Yeah. So we really don't know. So that's yeah. that's kind of the one thing I'll say there. Like if you look up benefits of intermittent fasting, you'll for damn sure find some benefits. Yeah. But There's also some cons. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Speaking of cons, tell us some of the researched downsides of intermittent intermittent fasting. So a couple things I'll just point out in the beginning, and you actually alluded to this earlier, Lauren, Mm -hmm. you kind of mentioned some of the unpleasant side effects. And I think that's worth talking about just up front Mm -hmm. because when so, so many people who come to me and they're like, oh, I just, you know. If I try to go about body composition with a weight loss goal, so I have a calorie restricted diet, I feel miserable and yeah. I don't want to. So we're like, all right, let's 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 back up. So if you're someone, and this is not to say that like fasting and eating enough in that window will cause these, but they could because mm-hmm. if you're used to a different eating schedule, your body knows that. Yeah. <laughs> so and I also feel like anytime you like make a change in something, like maybe the first one or two weeks, like will suck. Like, and that's yep. just what it is. Um, you know, yep. 
like That's... new new medicines, new training regimes. Like our body totally. can be our body loves homeostasis and making changes pisses her off sometimes so (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you know the things to kind of keep in mind could lead to sleep disruptions if you go to bed hungry Mm, um, yeah headaches fatigue you might feel nauseous and then certainly hunger too and those can really really disrupt your day can translate into how you feel about yourself how you feel in your skin how you perform I mean there's so much and how you treat others like there's so much there yeah yeah a hundred percent and like also the there's plenty of evidence to show that like sleep loss or poor sleep is not a good thing so if doing time restricted eating or something like that is causing consistent long-term sleep disruption like that might just counteract a lot of the good effects (laughs) that you would be getting because you're sleeping like dog shit so exactly (laughs) yeah so it's it can be really important to kind of take an inward look before you engage in this but yeah let's kind of let's talk about the data related to cardiovascular health because Mm. you know we just finished up on that there's some data yeah like there's information that says it's good but also yep flip side exactly so there are so many poor quality studies out there. There's actually this analysis, meta-analysis that I linked here that goes into detail about how shitty the studies are. <laughs> so, oh, interesting. Like, ooh. But the other piece that this meta-analysis says is that weight loss claims may only be true in the short term until mm. your, bo- your body, body gets just used, used to the it. routine. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's like, you, oh, we figured it out, actually. Right, right. Like, oh, okay, this is normal. Got it. Got so, it. We, you know, again, we just need more current research done on humans. We need to understand, like, what are the mechanisms? What's driving this benefit versus just, like, it's because of weight loss. Like, it's Mm. probably not just because of that. There's probably (laughs) a lot going on. So that brings me to my next little bit here against the, you know, the favorable sides of things. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that this is... Maybe not against intermittent fasting, but it goes into the fact of why inflammation might not be great for for us. Like why avoiding inflammation might not be great. <laughs> Ooh, okay, like yeah, kind of the flip side of inflammation where it's like we do need some. Need yeah. some. Okay, yeah, so tell me more. There's actually a really cool, I know I bashed on systematic reviews, but this one rules. It's so good. It's from 2015 and they just say there's really not enough human studies that we can extrapolate from like in total as a whole. Do you think that would have, since it's from 2015 and it's been eight years, do you think that like could have changed potentially? It, yes, it could have. There are definitely different trials going on right now, but I think at this point, even now, there's just still so much we don't know that we can't glean from the current existing literature mm-hmm. to use it as long-term health intervention. So that's that's kind of the key. Like we we need to study these things over time. And even eight years is not long enough of a time, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, I think, okay, okay, do go on. Yeah. So The one thing that they talked about in the study that I absolutely love is they talk about the process of hormesis. Have you ever heard about? Absolutely not. No. Tell me. (laughs) So (laughs) hormesis 
this is sort of like the theory of a little bit of poison or toxin is a good thing so that your body can adapt. Okay. So it's similar to like the hygiene hypothesis where like people like got kids eating dirt is good. Yeah, exactly. Okay, got well, it, like, got Think it. about like people living near <laughs> human waste or farms, like their immune systems were theoretically able to fight off more because they were exposed to more. So that's okay. like, cool. it's like this adaptive response. Yes. It's um, intermittent. That's a thing. Intermittent stressors. Okay. So we, we are kind of talking about this related to, I would say intermittent fasting more about like how, I guess let's, let's talk about it in terms of like aging because I think okay. there's yeah. a lot. That's definitely a, a thing people exactly like, to be like your telomeres will be all fixed and you'll never get wrinkles and like you know Gwyneth Paltrow is definitely big on the like the intermittent fasting <laughs> will fix the aging process or whatever so I think that's like a thing yeah. people say all the time so yeah what's with that exactly so with the the flip side of the the anti-inflammation argument we have and I'm just going to walk through this we have an increased reactive oxygen species this is just oxidative stress or, um, you know, like inflammation. That's kind of like a one term for it. If you need an example of oxidation, when your apple slices get brown (laughs) because you didn't eat them fast enough, that's oxidation. That is not what's happening. I don't think your cells turn brown. That's not what's happening. But if that, you're like oxidation, big word, what's going on? Like that's what's going on. (laughs) It's reacting with oxygen. A thing is happening. It makes it kind of smushier and less desirable looking. Um, and exactly. Yeah. What's that, um, (laughs) that acronym, uh, is it, Rigs, something with rigs. Oh, I don't remember this. I don't remember college. <laughs> Just I'm like, reduction is giving. <laughs> Oxidation oh, is Oh, this is like an okay oil rig. Oil, oil rig. rig. Oh, I remember oil rig. Okay, yes. Hold on. <laughs> I'm looking up oil rig. You keep explaining. Yeah, we'll oxidation is losing. Yes. Reduction is gaining <laughs> yes. electrons. Oh yes. my God. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, anyway, <laughs> the, the thought here is that oxidative stress is not the primary trigger of aging. So, if we're saying, like, okay, reducing, we want to reduce oxidative stress to prevent aging. This is saying that moderate increases in reactive oxygen species, so moderate increases in inflammation Mm -hmm. um, in response to calorie restriction, physical exercise. Um, This could also be that fasting window or um, like cellular, we'll call it autophagy since we already talked about it, Um, but removing cellular dysfunction. This promotes health and longevity more so than just intermittent fasting alone. Okay. Um, So we kind of want to just think of this as like, okay, if our goal is to reduce inflammation, that might not actually be why intermittent fasting is helpful for aging. Does that make sense? I know okay. this is like kind Remind of all over me the place. what ROS stands for. I think reactive I th- oxygen species. Reactive oxygen species. Okay. Let me yeah. let me just spit what I just absorbed back to Love you it. and then yes. fix whatever I don't get. Okay. So basically when our body experiences oxidative stress of some sort, um, an oxidative stress. Okay. Think okay. 
Also want to clarify something. People are always like, antioxidants are good for you because it reduces oxidation. And I think in my head, I'm just kind of like blending oxidation and inflammation into like oxidation can cause inflammation. That's what I'm doing to get this. Is that right? Let's start. So (laughs) there it's basically like in, let's just say like pop culture, um, oxidative stress and inflammation are like linked talked about. Yeah. They're, they're not exactly the same, but oxidative stress can be inflammation inflammation can be caused by oxidative stress okay so it's like got it okay so that's that's thing one and sometimes so let's say our body is exposed to some kind of oxidative stress i would imagine this can come from anything our environment stuff we're eating yada yada so we are exposed to some kind of oxidative stressor our body Mm -hmm. produces ros (laughs) <laughs> and I forget what it stands for, but that's our like response to oxidative so, stress. Reactive oxygen species are oxidative stress. So oh, just think of them as okay. the same. Okay. Um, so yeah. yes. So we're experiencing oxidative stress and a little bit of that stress, kind of like the hormesis topic is actually a good thing. And that can that's- also lead to some of the anti-aging ben- or anti-aging anti-inflammatory benefits. Exactly. So stress equals adaptation. The theory there is that it's a good thing. Mm. It's not because you're like, it's not because intermittent fasting is like the magical key. Right. It's like a little bit of that, a little bit of oxidative stress sometimes is a good thing. That's Mm -hmm. helping our bodies like adapt to stress and be more adaptive and autophagy and the processes that come with participating in intermittent fasting can also help with yes. aging. It's like there's multiple things going on at once. It's not just because intermittent fasting is magical. <laughs> exactly. It. Perfect. It, okay. Exactly. <laughs> so, I get it. Hopefully you audience <laughs> member get it too. This is good. Uh, this is how we Yeah. <laughs> we need like an um an index or a, a for definitions. What is yes. that called? No, this is a glossary. <laughs> Appendix. Glossary. Appendix. Um, anyway, (laughs) the biggest takeaway that I got from this is that, yes, there are a lot of favorable research papers or papers and studies that have looked at the favorable effects of intermittent fasting, but this info really can't be extrapolated to all individuals, certainly not all athletes. Totally. And we can't say that all the benefits have been truly figured out. There's still so much we don't know. and. It's it's not going to be for everyone, so I'll leave you with that. <laughs> okay, perfect. Well, to close us out real quick, I want to read you. Um, we were we are going to do intermittent fasting part two because there's more to say. I want to do some. There's so much more to say. We have more to talk about. There's more to cover. But to close this out, um, I am going to read Caitlin and a. Um, an excerpt of marketing material about Dr. Will Cole's book. Oh no. Intuitive no. fasting. Um, this no. is like the Gwyneth Paltrow intuitive fasting goop book. Um, uh, so Dr. I'm ready Will to Cole, hear. Let me just okay. pause you. Dr. Will <laughs> Cole. I have so many problems. I have nothing against chiropractors, but that does not mean he's a nutritionist. That's what I'm going to say. Um, the other thing I'll say is that he's a proponent of keto vegan keto Mm. which is not possible okay 
Please continue. He's a, yeah. Okay. So I don't trust anyone that says ketotarian. Yeah. I think that's his book about vegan. Ke- that's wild. Um, I don't it's actually, we're not gonna, not we will okay. never do an episode about that. <laughs> we're not doing that. No, no. Um, maybe <laughs> for, some, yeah, not even going to open that can maybe of worms right now. Yeah. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot to, that's a lot to take in. Okay. So this is, uh, this is what we're going to say. Uh, intuitive fasting will show you how to finally find metabolic flexibility. And once you've reached metabolic flexibility, you can intuitively trust your body to function at optimal capacity, whether you've eaten six minutes ago or six hours ago. Uh, during this four week flexible fasting plan, Dr. Cole will guide you through various intermittent fasting windows, which each week of the plan tailored to focus on a different aspect of your health. By the end of four weeks, you will have all the tools necessary to reset your body, recharge your metabolism, renew your cells, and rebalance your hormones. That's a lot. What are your thoughts, Caitlin? I'm. <laughs> I think I it's a know. lot of big promises. Um, that sounds you know, like I a lot that... to do in four weeks. You can you rebalance someone's hormones in four weeks? Absolutely not. But okay. what you can do is <laughs> give somebody, you know, you can give somebody the tools to yeah. do it themselves. Um, that's true. Like someone could learn a lot and then they could apply it to their life. But I wonder what type of fasting protocol he promotes and what the rigidity is because a lot of issues with these four week sort of promises is that people get out and they're like, great, now what? Okay. Calorie restriction until the end of time. And that's just not realistic, nor is it necessary to see a benefit. Um, I also struggle with the, the idea that they talk about, um, um, met, what i'm sorry i just was like i wonder what the one star reviews of this say oh oh my god i'm reading i'm gonna read wait say what you're gonna say i'm gonna read like one or two of them to close us out and then we're gonna wrap this episode up but it's good (laughs) okay i can't wait well all i'll say is like when someone promises metabolic flexibility we talked about this in the beginning and kind of how intermittent fasting works and yes if you fast long enough you will start to burn fatty acids, but it takes some time. Mm -hmm. It's maybe not for everyone. It's kind of miserable. Okay. Um, but also metabolic flexibility, I think could be, it's maybe not my preferred way to do it via fasting. So that's, that's kind of what I would say. I think not excluding foods and like putting the body under like repeated stress constantly is maybe not the way to go. Okay. I okay. really just want to hear what you're going to say. <laughs> oh my God. These reviews are, if you just want to have a great time. <laughs> oh God. Um, also, I apologize if anyone finds any of these offensive. I'm just quoting them because <laughs> I think it's out of control. Okay. So this one is from Roy. One star review titled Disorganized. There is some, Roy says, there is some good advice. In fact, it is a gold mine for an anorexic. <gasps> but as far as the program it is too disorganized for example week one guidelines are in the week one chapter but without any reference you will find the details after week four i don't actually understand roy's review that well so maybe roy's kind of disorganized too as a person but i really that gold bottom line anorexic is a very uh, spicy spicy line there roy um okay uh okay let's see 
Uh, this one's from Candace. Candace says, West Coast Strange Dieting. You think it's just going <laughs> to give you fasting tips. No, it's a four-week planned diet with ingredients you have never heard of and will probably have to pay oh, a ton no. for. It probably works, but anyone with the time and patience for this should just walk their ass around the block instead. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Here's Candace. Incredible. Follow-up. Um, <laughs> so... My issue with this individual, not Candace, she's great. What a gal. Um, yeah, Candace, walk your ass around the block instead. Yes, Candace. So Ooh, a lot of people guy, make this like this is a guide to being anorexic comment, which is like yeah. pretty fucked up. Um, but also a but, lot of people say that. And so like it a must lot not of these be reviews. Totally out of the realm. Of, no. Yeah. So <laughs> this guy. Okay. Let's reverse back to when I was. it's like 2015 my first big girl job working in a soil science team Mm -hmm. and I would spend my mornings like when I would look at emails before the workday picked up I would look at the 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 um it's like a daily blog like newsletter from Mm -hmm. mind body green and this guy was always on there, always wrote articles. And he talked about superfoods, mm-hmm. um, fasting, intuitive fasting, ketotarian. And I just remember even then, before I even thought about going back to school, I was like, this guy's on one. Like, what is he saying? Like, yeah. this, someone should absolutely not let him talk about nutrition anymore. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, so end of story. End of yeah. <laughs> so, it's just there's so much here. Like I think we'll definitely be back for part 2. We're going to dive more into the research as it relates to athletes because yeah. we want you to have all of the information and be mm-hmm. able to make more of a uh an educated approach um but also make some educated decisions like who it's for, who it's not, who to talk to to make sure that you do it safely yeah. if you some are interested just, in some of it. Yeah, some of my thoughts as a coach yeah. and we're also going to um open up some some space for you to ask us questions that we can cover in the next episode as well. So, yes. stay tuned for part 2. Um if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, it'll be out 2 weeks from now so we'll have a snack break in between um and then we'll get back to more intuitive or not intuitive fasting (laughs) we'll be back to intermittent fasting um caitlin before we close this out do you have any announcements you would like to make Yes. So right now I have a few spots left for this fall. We're kind of getting to that time of year when I say, okay, I only have a few spots because we get to the holidays, the the holidays. Exactly. (laughs) So yeah. So anyway, um, I would love to work with you if nutrition coaching is something you've been interested in but you just haven't quite figured out what's going to work well for you, let's have a chat. Let's see if I'm the right fit for you. I have payment plans up to 10 months. And I want to make sure that this is something that you can use for a long time because I want you to be able to be your own decider on what works best for you. I'll provide expertise as it relates to nutrition and we collaborate on you. So that's just a little quick quick bit look in the show notes <laughs> love it all right awesome good times um as far as on my end of things um 
I have some stuff in the works, some possible, some possibilities that I cannot speak on yet, mm. but things that are always happening, um, you can always get on my email list to get the weekly training plan makeover. I do a makeover of an audience member's training plan every week, and that's super fun. Um, and if you think those are really fun, you will love actually participating in a training plan with me. So you can go to goodsprayclimbing.com to learn about the different training plan offerings that I have. Um, yeah. And I think that is about it. Um, yeah. And we'll wrap Sweet. it up there. Until, we should. <laughs> yes, we should. It's been, it's been a dense episode. Next episode, we will unpack your questions. If you have any, um, yep. we probably do. You should ask us questions. Um, yeah. <laughs> and until next time, everyone, keep it, keep it average. average. Wow. <laughs> Best one. <laughs>